Welcome to the Mama Bear Apologetics Podcast. A podcast where we teach you to roar like a mother. And by roar, we mean recognize the message, offer discernment, argue for a healthier approach, and reinforce these ideas with your kids. Unless you want to growl around your house. I mean, that's cool too. <laughs> You're like, check it, we keep it reels. <laughs> that's so bad. You're awesome. Mama Bear Apologetics is a listener-supported program, so if you like what we do, head on over to the Mama Bear Apologetics website and click support. It's time to rise up, ladies. Rise up, Mama Bears. This might not affect your faith, but it might affect your children's. Welcome to another episode of Mama Bear Apologetics. I'm Hillary. And I'm Amy. And so today we're going to be continuing on with our previous podcast where we were talking about all the stuff that was going on. We briefly talked about the Joshua Harris thing, um, but then went on to the, the Hillsong guy and this kind of, I don't know if you want to just refer to him as the great apostasy, but this, just this falling away that we're seeing in um, in leadership. And the diff- we kind of talked about some of the differences between the Joshua Harris and the Hillsong guy issue. Um, and and they're, they're walking away, how there were some differences there. Uh, so today we're going to be talking about specifically uh, the difference between four different, I don't, I don't know if I want to call them roles. One of them is definitely a role. The other ones are identities. But mm. we're going to be talking about the differences between sheep, wounded sheep, sheepdogs, and wolves. Um, so Jay Warner Wallace is the one that I think he... he I, I'm sure he's not the first, but he's one of the ones that talks about the role of the sheepdog. But so far, I've never heard anyone talk about the role of wounded sheep. Um, and so it's like scripture talks about sheep and it talks about wolves. But those other two categories are something that we've kind of discovered just in, you know, seeing how people work. So um, I want to start out with a uh, with a scripture passage. Watch out. So it's Matthew seven fifteen through 20. Watch out for false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are voracious wolves. You will recognize them by their fruit. Grapes are not gathered from thorns or figs from thistles, are they? In the same way, every good tree bears good fruit, but the bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree is not able to bear bad fruit, nor a bad tree to bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So then you will recognize them by their fruit. And so first off, I want to address um, one of the issues that I think we touched on in the previous podcast about what do we mean by fruit? And in this one, we want to go to Matthew 3, 8. So this is just going to be like five five chapters before where it says that, um, therefore, bear fruit in keeping with repentance. So there is a lot of people out there who are defining fruit only by the Galatians definition of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control. I feel like I'm leaving one out. But anyway, they, they just define it by that. And most specifically, they define it as love, joy, and peace, I think are the main ones that anything that produces, you know, feelings of love or peace, you know, that's good fruit. But if you look five, five chapters before in, in Matthew, it always talks about uh, fruit being coupled with repentance. Mm. And we cannot leave that out. So uh, first off, we're going to talk about what are, uh, how do you recognize a sheep? Because uh, sheep are basically the, the, we are referred to sheep multiple times in scripture, which sounds all cute and stuff. Like I petted a, a bunch of sheep at the state fair this weekend. But from what I've heard, sheep are not the smartest. <laughs> 
not the sharpest knives in the drawer. So, Amy, won't you tell us a little bit about what you've learned about sheep? I know, isn't this great? You know, uh, the stuff you learn when you when you're researching uh, for podcasts, maybe things you wouldn't expect. And so, uh, so yes, my I don't have firsthand knowledge with sheep. We have ducks at our house, but my husband was able to get some sheep experience on an impromptu mission trip, and it was so funny because he was just helping out this farmer in Romania shovel out the sheep pen. And uh, after they had got it all cleaned out, he said, you know, I can totally get why Jesus refers to us as sheep. He was like, because these sheep, even though we had made it look nice, we had cleaned it up, we had done all these great things to help these sheep, they would not go in the pen for nothing. They couldn't be pushed in, pulling. They were scattered, running around. They were panicked. They would just sort of clump together. That's called their gregarious nature. They just want to stay in this herd. And he was like, you know, even when there's good things before them, they just want to stay in their little their little group, their little bubble. And, uh, yeah. and we see that with you know, we do want to stay around what's comfortable. And I mean, we talk about those fruits of the spirit and how we often appeal to to love and peace. And I think, especially in American culture, comfort is a huge one. Like whatever makes mm. me comfortable is, is not only true, it's good. I'm going to go after it. Um, and you see that with sheep, they want to be comfortable. And one thing that's I thought was really interesting in looking up sheep is they've got this thing that's called the flight distance. And what they do huh. is they like to maintain in their little group and they want to keep a distance, whether it's between, um, you know, the shepherd, they, if they know him, they'll allow him to come close. They won't do that with the sheepdogs. Um, but they, if there's ever anything new or suspicious or whatever, they want to keep this buffer zone between them that gives them enough time to where if this thing starts getting shifty, we have enough space between us to scoot out of there as fast as possible. And I thought that oh was my so gosh. interesting. Is that not just how Christian culture is? Like right. anything that is new or different like we want to maintain our little bubbles and get ready to run anytime something's unfamiliar oh absolutely yeah. i mean even if it's a good thing you know it it is one thing like no i'm gonna take my time i'm not gonna trust it it is it is not the the normal five songs we sing each sunday morning you know i am not on <laughs> that's board. a different carpet than i'm used to we can't change the drapes <laughs> So it's, it was just really interesting to see, you know, this is a little bit humbling. They're uh, they're utterly defenseless. Um, I mean, about the only thing they do, and it's it's great that they do is they, the only defense that they have is they band together, they put the little ones in the middle, and then they just sort of form this circle, shoulder to shoulder, face outward. That's the only thing they've got. So, I mean, mm. they are, they're so vulnerable and defenseless. I mean, there's really not much, except for if you get on the, the wrong uh, attitude of, of a ram, you know, he might give you a bit of a nudge, but when it comes to sheep, there's <laughs> nothing they can do they're defenseless so it's just it was really interesting um reading about those and one thing that i thought was so funny is um even with moms and their little sheep if let's say it had been raining out you know the farmer was being nice and he put a blanket over one of the ewes the once the mom saw the baby with the blanket on it she would freak out she would run out it's a monster and of course you know their gregarious nature the little one thinks oh my gosh there must be some sort of threat so it would start chasing after the flock and then the flock's running because they see this little blanketed monster chasing them and it's oh running because it's trying to get away and so it's just an awful thing to where once the farmer removes the blanket all of a sudden they can look and see oh wait no look it's got the face it's got the fluff and then they allow it to go back into the flock oh my gosh it's totally like Clark Kent, as soon as he puts on the the glasses, nobody can recognize Superman. <laughs> Isn't that like every you know one of those those girly romantic movies to where like oh she took off her glasses and now all of a sudden she's attractive, you know? <laughs> and she got rid of the bangs, you know? Yes, bangs, brown hair, and glasses for some reason. I, I'm I'm zero for three, or actually I mean I'm three for three on that one right now. I just cut bangs the other day. <laughs> 
But yeah, it's just, it's so funny how, you know, they, they are maybe more intelligent than what we give them credit for, but, you know, they can be such creatures of habit and so fearful of new things that you really do see, you know, some parallels, especially with uh, modern, modern uh, church culture. Yes. Which, uh, which brings us to, well, actually, I don't know. I, actually, we were going to talk about Luna Cheap first, but I kind of want to talk about sheepdogs because I think this kind of uh, dovetails into this. So um, the idea of sheepdogs is you have something that's not a wolf, but it's not a sheep, but it's another creature that's kind of there in order to help protect the sheep from the wolves. And um, this is a role that I think a lot of people in the church don't understand. Mm. Uh because they, they, a lot of times they see sheepdogs and they just think, oh, you're just a heresy hunter or you're, you're just looking for ways to disagree. And they, they have all these ideas about what the sheepdog does. And I, you discovered something interesting about sheep and sheepdogs. So why don't you tell us about that? Yes, yeah, so it was fun looking up sheepdogs as well because there are similarities even between the wolves. So the sheep are a little leery of the sheepdogs. And growing up, we had a miniature Sheltie. It was it, it's basically Lassie, but the size of a, a little weenie dog. But he I thought, wait, hold on. I thought I thought the Shelties were the small ones, and the collies. I thought it was a collie and the Sheltie. Is it a miniature Sheltie like a third? It's, Smaller. well, it's, I don't know if it's a crossbreed or whatever. So Shelties and Collies, I'm pretty sure they're about the same size because, you know, big and he goes chasing after two. No, I think Shelties are a lot smaller. My, my, anyway, that we're, we're getting off topic. <laughs> <laughs> Digress. Either way, this one was specifically called a mini and he was so little, but he had, oh my goodness, he had all the herding instincts of the biggest sheepdogs. Before we would try and get off on the school bus, he would herd us into the corners. He would nip at our heels, everything. I mean, he was, he was adorable, but he was annoying. And so <laughs> that's kind of how the uh, the sheep see them here you've got these dogs who are they will nip at their heels and th- those are the healer types and then you have mm-hmm. other sheep dogs who they just sort of do this stare like they will get face to face with the sheep and basically just give them the stare down and then the sheep will back off and they're trying to get the sheep to move into different areas and of course the sheep don't want that they just want to stay in their nice field they want to graze they want to be left alone and here they have this dog that somewhat appears to threaten them because they're trying to get them away from their comfort zone out of their comfort zone and trying to get them to go places that maybe they don't want to go at the moment or just trying to get them away from danger trying yes. to put them into a group that you know if they start spreading out too much um that is actually putting them in danger yeah and a lot of sheep when you look at the study their natures a lot of them don't they just don't recognize the danger right away they're just sort mm-hmm. of oblivious and they're they're happy where they're at to where they won't see it until as jay warren wallace points out until it's too late and so then you have this this sheep dog getting you know kind of in your face and trying to correct or or defend and you know they don't really like that it's interesting that you say that because i think we're actually seeing two um different aspects of sheep number one is they're oblivious to real danger and number two is they're hyper vigilant over something that's not dangerous Mm. Um, because that's one of the things that they talk about how it's like if if all they had to do to keep sheep in a pen was basically put um like a small log you know in front of the gate something that they could easily walk over but because you know oh wait i have to walk over that i can't quite navigate that that would actually keep them in the sheep pen. Um, and same thing, they had to lead them around. Anything that could possibly be an obstacle, they had to leave it, lead them around it. So there's all these things that are not dangerous, 
that they're perceiving as danger. Mm. And at the same time, they will walk straight out into the middle of an open field where there is a wolf waiting for them and be completely oblivious to the danger. How like, oh my gosh, that I never even thought about that. That is so much like what we have in Christianity where it seems like people overreact and hyperreact about things that really aren't that big of a deal and they start making the minors the majors. But when it comes to things that are actually really, really dangerous, it's like they're completely oblivious to how what, what a dangerous how dangerous of an idea this is. Ideas like the ones that we talk about in the Mama Bear book, you know, the postmodernism and the scientism and the uh, moral relative, well, moral relativism, I think most everybody's pretty aware, but like uh, the new spirituality and progressive Christianity, there's all these things that are like, oh my gosh, people, you need to be paying attention to this. And the things that are actually dangerous, they don't, uh, they don't acknowledge. And the things that aren't dangerous, like in-house fighting over a kind of um, certain theologies that are both within orthodoxy, they will fight to the death over that and so we're seeing both of uh, both of these but then when we talk about the sheepdogs i think it was interesting that you said the sheep don't like the sheepdogs yeah and they're actually scared of the sheep is it are they scared of the sheepdog or do they just not like them uh well it's it's kind of a mixture of both because again the the sheepdog somewhat reminds them of a wolf i mean they're they're similar uh in in looks and obviously they're kind of snapping at them a bit so yeah they're uh they can somewhat build up a tolerance to them especially if they've been around them a while but they know that you know that's not a guy i want to hang out with uh (laughs) that guy makes me do things i don't want to do Yep. And I I see this happen in the church too. the people that are legitimately trying to bring warnings to the church. Uh, It's it's surprising how often they are accused of um, disrupting the unity. (laughs) Yeah. And um, if you want to talk about unity, go ahead. I just I just published a, an article today. This will probably be published in a couple weeks or the, this podcast will be published in a couple weeks. So go back to the article that I published on August 20th. And it talks about um, the message of unity and some of the necessary things to have unity. But I think this is what happens within the apologetics community. This is what happens when people are seeing dangerous ideas that are coming down the pike. They are accused of being reactionary of, uh, you know, going down the slippery slope fallacy of Mm. like, oh, that's not going to happen. And basically the sheepdog is treated like the wolf, Um, which is interesting because the sheepdog is trying to protect the flock. And so it's kind of one of those roles that kind of stinks to have that role because you have to sort of expect that the people that you're trying to protect aren't going to understand what you're doing. But at the same time, it's a very valuable role within the body of Christ. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, again, it, it just, it comes back to trying to get people out of their comfort zone. People just, we might, we just hate that. You know, we don't want to have to work hard or think hard. We just want to go. We want to feel good. We want to be happy. We sort of this have it your way mentality when it comes even to our faith. And, you know, when, when the sheepdogs are there, they're trying to get you out of that mentality to be more aware and, and be more sensitive to the threats that are out there. Yeah. Uh, so moving on to the wounded sheep. This is something that I've actually never heard anybody else talk about. I, I discovered this category the hard way several years ago when I encountered uh, someone who was um, self-proclaimed Christian. They were considered um, kind of a leader in, in a particular area of Christianity. And the more I got to know this person, it's like I know that they were going through a rough time, but they got really aggressive Uh, They got really defensive and they started attacking John and me like really, really bad to the point of where 
when we saw them, we did not see a single, it's like, I, I remember going once through the, the fruits of the spirit, you know, every single one of them and saying, I don't see a single fruit of the spirit in this person's private life, their private life and their public life was completely different. But mm -hmm. at the same time, I didn't want to question their salvation. And so I had this idea of like, I wonder if there's another category of wounded sheep, where um, if you think about animals that are wounded, as we as we said on the last podcast, hurting people hurt people. And uh, whenever you're dealing with just animals in general, it's like, say that you have uh, some animal that's caught in, um, what are those things called? The little traps that oh, like snares. clamp around their foot. What'd you say? Snare. Yeah, the snare. They say there's nothing more dangerous than a wounded animal because a wounded animal does not recognize the difference between someone trying to help them and someone who's causing further hurt. Because sometimes in helping somebody, you do cause further hurt. Like, you know, trying to get, get an animal's foot out of the snare, that's painful. Mm. If it's already clamped into the bone, trying to pull it out of the bone, good grief, that's, that's painful. And they will lash out at you, and they will attack you, and they will do all sorts of stuff. And so... I remember trying to figure out, oh my gosh, is this person, is this a wounded sheep or is this a wolf? Because by, by all evidence in their life, I did not see any fruit of the spirit. But at the same time, I was like, is this just someone who's wounded? Mm. Um, and this is a category that I think that is really important for us to know because I think the wounded sheep and the wolf really look a lot alike. Mm. They can. All, uh, would you say they almost sort of le can lead into one another? Um, yeah, I would say so. I would even say it's like, you know, because wolves don't always start out as wolves, you know. Um, sometimes I, it's like, I don't know, like, you know, this is where the analogy of actual biology just kind of falls flat because obviously sheep can't turn into wolves. Um, but spiritually speaking, I think that, um, you know, someone who starts out appearing like a sheep can kind of turn into a wolf. And maybe sometimes that that transition happens from being a wounded sheep. Now, this goes into the idea of once saved, always saved. And, uh, you know, there, that's a whole di other discussion that um, that we can't get into of like, oh, was it a real sheep or did they just act like a sheep? Was it a wolf in sheep's clothing and he didn't even know he was a wolf in sheep's clothing? You know, it's hard to, it, it, it's, it's hard to say. But just yeah. the idea, I think we need to have the concept of that in our heads because sometimes people will um, be coming out from the faith or questioning the faith and they are just a wounded sheep they're not a wolf mm. and so i'd like to talk about some of the differences between those because if we treat if we treat a wounded sheep like a wolf we might turn them into a wolf mm -hmm. and i would say that wounded sheep they're not trying to drag other people down with them yeah i would i would i would tend to agree with you there they may have that that sort of knee-jerk snippy reaction um or you know like you experienced they were they were kind of aggressive and outward and things but they typically aren't trying to bring other people down with them and that that's again that would be the difference between uh what we saw with joshua harris and the hillsong guys joshua harris seemed like he was saying hey i'm having these questions and i'm struggling i'm not sure what to do with this versus the hillsong guy was saying, here's my soapbox moment. Here's all the questions that haven't been answered. That would be the difference between a wounded sheep and a wolf right there. Um, and we need to treat them differently. I would say that wounded sheep, although you, you discovered sometimes, I think they'll, they'll react in two ways. Just animals in general, when they're wounded, and especially if they think that they're dying, will have a tendency, especially, especially dogs, 
will go off and try to find a place where they can be by themselves. A lot of times mm-hmm. they're not going to want to die around a lot of people. And so when you start seeing that isolation, that's where you're probably dealing with a wounded sheep. Although in, in, your, in your research, uh, the wounded sheep acted slightly differently. Yeah, they don't always wander off. They they will try their best to sort of stay with the group. Again, their their nature, that gregarious nature, wanting to be within a group, they will try and keep up with them. But, uh, you know, again, they're going to be favoring their, wherever they're wounded. They're going to not eat as much with, of course, you know, with when it comes to the Christian, you see that more of if you've got someone who's been in your life group and they are faithfully there, but then all of a sudden you notice that they are just, they're they're kind of more downtrodden. They're, they're quieter. They're their, their attendance starts getting sketchy. They, they're not as involved anymore. Their exuberance, you start noticing these sort of symptoms that, you know, there's, there's something going on. Sometimes yeah. you can, some people are really good at, at sort of discerning character. My father-in-law is one of those types that he can be in a room and he can pick out someone who is not who they say they are. Um, he's just really good at that. And I, mm. I'm not really that way. I'm, I'm kind of more naive in that sense. But there's some folks that you do, you just sort of get this, you know, I don't quite know what it is, but I get this vibe that something is off, something's not there. And that's usually where you just kind of stop and say, hey, you know, what's what's going on? Or is everything okay? And, uh, you know, you, you can sort of notice those are more of sort of the, the quieter types, maybe not the more aggressive. Yeah, and I think the the interesting thing that you said is they stop feeding themselves. Mm. And I would say that if we we're going to take that in the spiritual realm, um, that that analogy of maybe not going to church as much, not going to small group, it's like we can't usually gauge whether or not they're reading their Bible as much, but they're going to start pulling away from the faith. Because if, if there's something that's wounded them within the faith, they're not going to keep pursuing the thing that they feel has wounded them. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, But I think another sign that you were saying is they kind of start nursing their wounds. I think a wounded sheep is going to be very self-focused, but not self-focused in the way that they're trying to draw people to to themselves. It's more like they can only see their own pain. Yeah. And uh, versus a wolf is going to be very, very self-focused, but it's going to be more of in a narcissistic way. Mm that the wolf is going to be trying to draw people to themselves or, you know, stand on a soapbox and try to get people to pay attention to what they're saying, what their new truth is. Uh, and they are actively trying to get people to pay attention to them. The wounded sheep is not necessarily trying to get people to pay attention to them unless it's sort of a cry for help. The wolf is trying to still be an influence. Yeah. Even, even if that influence is coming from a place of wounding they're trying to be an influence to almost like inflict their wounding on someone else yeah oh yeah and it's so funny because you see that in you know children's stories like um, little red riding hood you know he's talking to her as she's going off to grandma's he's just doing these subtle little coaxings to get her off track she's supposed to go straight to grandma's house and he's oh look at the flowers look at over here he's trying to distract there's that subtle sort of manipulation that you see also in genesis where satan is trying to tempt eve he's just doing these little twists where you don't quite notice that it is uh that it's something threatening that it's off so another another Thing, talking about the wolf is uh, John 10 12 and I'm going to read it from the net bible the hired hand who is not a shepherd and does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and abandons the sheep and runs away so the wolf attacks the sheep and scatters them so I think this also talks about what is some of the wolf's behavior is the wolf is scattering the sheep 
So this this is going to be someone that's causing division. But but again, there's division over. There's things that we should be divided over. Um, I mean, history is replete. I'm I'm reading on church history right now. Basically, all the different. Um, councils that were going through all the different heresies on, you know, was Jesus fully God, but not fully man? Or mm. was he fully man and not fully God? And all, all these different things where they're trying to nail down theology. And so the, the goal of that is to separate from the things that are not true and unify over the things that are true versus the wolf just attacking and scattering. That would be exactly what the Hillsong guys thing was, is he just threw out all these statements that would uh, that would separate people, that would confuse people, and it, it, I mean, it, it's the exact picture of what a wolf does: is he goes and he scatters. Yeah, absolutely. When 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 he comes, and just this idea of the shepherd is the one who is going to protect against the wolf, but just a hired hand doesn't. So this is going to go also along with the sheepdogs, people who have that role within the body. They are trying to protect the sheep, whether or not the sheep want it or not, because they see the wolf coming and they see the wolf trying to scatter. And the opposite of trying to scatter is trying to unify, trying to bring them together. But again, if, if you look back on my blog on August 20th, we have to be unified around something. We can't just say, oh, we want unity. Um, because if we want unity and we don't define what we're unified around, then basically we have a bunch of people who have no convictions <laughs> that just want to be unified for the sake of unity. And that is not what we're called to do. We're supposed to be unified in Christ and in, in good theology and in truth. So, so again, I guess the difference between the wounded sheep, the wounded sheep is going to be the one that is um, nursing its own wounds. It'll be kind of self, self-focused in the sense that it's trying to help itself, but it's not self-focused in the sense that it's trying to bring others to himself. That would be a wolf. A wolf is trying to draw others to its own way of thinking versus just trying to deal with its own wounded heart. And okay, so, and this is... Actually, this is the final point that I really want to make. And this, I really cannot emphasize this enough. We currently have an epidemic of, of political correctness in the sense that we have so... There, there are legitimately a lot of Christians out there that are so unloving and so ungracious mm. and so just obnoxious. I remember my pastor used, used to say when someone would proclaim, oh, I'm being persecuted for righteousness. He's like, you might not be being persecuted for righteousness you're being persecuted because you're obnoxious <laughs> uh, <laughs> i thought that's a really great category i think that we all need to have that is so funny that we have so many examples of christians who aren't loving that we kind of want to go above and beyond to have compassion to be loving to be um to be gracious to be uh welcoming to be um you know to be everything that christ called us to be to the point though that we have forgotten how to spot a wolf. Mm. And that will only work for so long before the wolves start figuring this out. And this is something that I want all the mamas to pay attention to right now. And I'm going to tell you, this is how the wolves are creeping into our flocks right now. They have a sob story that precedes their wolfish behavior. Mm. Uh, if you read in the, in the Mama Bear Apologetics book, in the, uh, the emotionalism chapter, where it's talking about how our emotions can be manipulated, or also in the postmodernism chapter about trying to find your own truth, that people are using emotional rhetoric to basically lower our defenses. And it's like we're wanting to have compassion. We're wanting to alleviate suffering. We're wanting to do all the things that Christ called us to do. However, the wolf is using that godly instinct 
to take our defenses down so that when our defense is down and we're all about having compassion, all about loving, all about patting them on the head and saying, it's okay, we're still there for you, that is when they enter all their wolfish behavior. And that is where they scatter the sheep. That is where they start trying to take people down with false ideologies. And unless we know how to spot the difference between that wounded sheep and a wolf, we are leaving the sheep completely just uh, vulnerable to attack. Mm. And that is not something we can afford to do. Now, the people that are really good with or who think they're really good with spotting the wolves often are just attacking other sheep. I mean, let's be honest. It's like there's so much in-house fighting among things. That it just it it sickens me. I hate it, um, and so people are have such a reaction against that that they don't know how to recognize a real wolf. Uh, no, and I think you're you're so right, and it also ties into the linguistic theft of what is the true definition of love, because mm, we've yes. we our culture has wanted to take the idea of love and say you're only loving if you let me do what I want. You're only loving if you affirm every action that I have, to where you're it's sort of been taken away. I mean, oftentimes parents, you hear this from your kids too. If your kid has messed up and you've gotten onto them, they've been grounded. The fortnight is shut off for a week. You know, you're the most <laughs> horrible person on the planet. You don't love them. You don't love me because you took away my PS4, you know, but you would come back and say, wait a second. No, no, no. The, the person who loves their child is going to discipline them. We've all seen the kids who have not had that discipline. They've gotten cuddles instead of, you know, uh, a hand of the behind. Willy Wonka. That's why I always compare it to. What was her name? Which girl? The bratty one. The super bratty one. Oh, from oh, uh, Baruka. Baruka. Is it Baruka or Baruka, Baruka Salt? Yes. <laughs> That's what you get when you when you don't discipline your child. Yes, absolutely. And so our it, it's this combination of this sort of progressive with we're going to take this idea of love and you're only truly loving if you don't hold me accountable. You affirm everything I do, and it's just mm-hmm. complete and utter nonsense. You can love someone by holding them accountable, by bearing up with them, being like, "Oh my gosh, I'm here. Let me let me help you." You can offer that compassion, but you can also, and we're supposed to, with other believers, say, "You know what? I love you." but I think you're way off base. And yeah. we can do it in a way, and I think the the way you handle that uh, depends gr- a great deal on how they're reacting themselves. If it's somebody who's just maybe talking one-on-one and they're getting a little a little out of line, you're like, hey, wait, let me, come here, let's talk. But if somebody's going full out public, I mean, this takes a public address to where, mm-hmm. and, and Jesus did that. He talked to people one-on-one and there were times where he called them out in front of a crowd. So both yeah. can be necessary. We just have to be careful yeah. that we don't choose one or the other and start, swinging hammers when a screwdriver or perhaps a saw or tweezers are necessary (laughs) especially tweezers (laughs) yes um and and that that is such a good point is that when people are saying you know we need to be like jesus we have to recognize that part of being like jesus is 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 wisdom asking the lord asking the holy spirit for wisdom of how do i react in this particular situation because we can't treat all situations with with just um uh, blind, I'll, I'll call it blind love and compassion. Um, but we can't treat all situations like there needs to be a hammer taken down mm. to, you know, because there, there's times when it's like, you know, you, you just look at the way Jesus handled the, the Pharisees versus the woman caught in adultery versus, I mean, uh, the, the Sermon on the Mount is like one of the biggest smackdowns I've ever heard. Everybody's like, oh, it's so beautiful. I'm like, do you realize like he is giving you at a completely impossible standard, and it, it's one of the harshest teachings. But it's said in such a beautiful way. Um, 
that that uh, I mean, it, it's very convicting when you read it and you're like, man, I could never live up to this. All the 613 laws that the that the were outlined in the Old Testament, the Sermon on the Mount just dwarfs all of those mm. because it, it brings motives into account instead of just actions. So I hope this was a helpful talk about the uh, the differences between sheep, wolves, sheepdogs, and wounded sheep. And it's one of those things that I hope you can start kind of talking with your kids about. Start identifying the differences, knowing when to have compassion and when to stand firm. And when they stand firm, how to stand firm, basically without being a jerk or what we, we call the terrifying truth tellers. Mm. They, you know, you got the, my pastor used to talk about the terrifying truth tellers versus the compassionate compromisers that are, are the terrifying truth tellers are the ones that just kind of wave the hammer of justice and scream <laughs> the word of God will not return void and, you know, just go all Thor on everybody. And the uh, compassionate compromisers are the ones that don't want to hurt anybody's feelings and they'll never speak up. But there, there's a time and a place for both of those. And a lot of times we're going to be wavering in the middle, having a little bit of both of those. Uh, so teaching our kids how to do that, how to recognize when uh, each of those tactics is called for is just absolutely imperative. So uh, I hope this was a helpful discussion. Ames, would you like to pray us out? Sure. Father God, we are grateful to be together. Lord, there are, there's, we have to be so proactive in our faith. It's, it's not just about comfortably grazing uh, our daily lives to where we are just um, about seeking pleasure or just that comfort of the routine. Lord, we have to be watchful and we have to be vigilant and we have to teach our kids to have that, that wisdom and that vigilance too, to where they don't miss out on the beauty of this world, but they are aware that there are threats, the forms that they come. Fathers, I just pray that you will help these parents understand wisdom, discernment, help them to equip their children to be able to know what moments require grace, compassion, listening ear, and which ones that they need to stand firm for when they need to stand up perhaps maybe against friends or against false teachings, but how to do so in a way that they are just modeling the gospel. Lord, we are just praying that you will help these parents raise up little Stevens to where they can stand there (laughs) and be above reproach as they are calling people into accountability. Give them that firmness and discernment to be able to do so, Lord. And we just pray, Father, that as these parents go on, that they are able to utilize opportunities in their regular lives, whether it's stories that their kids tell from school, things that they hear on or see on TV, that you can help them to recognize those moments and say, wait a second, this is a teaching moment. Let me go ahead and hit pause for a second and let's discuss and let's dive in. So that way these kids get these practical engagement methods so that they are able to go out in the world and be that salt and be that life, light and stand firm for the truth. In your holy name, Lord. Amen. Amen. This has been a Mama Bear Apologetics recording. To learn more about Mama Bear Apologetics, please visit us on the web at www.mamabearapologetics.com. We hope you learned a little more about how to sift through ideas, accept the good, reject the bad, and now you can go teach your kids to do the same. Do you have any questions or maybe some ideas about future podcast episodes? Send us an email to askthemamabears at gmail.com and we'll do our best. Rise up, ladies. Rise up, Mama Bears. We are all in this together.